Kansas City just recently opened up this cycle track um, on a street called Gillum. So not only is it a great facility for people on their bikes, but it also completely changed the character of the street. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Active Towns podcast, conversations about creating a culture of activity. My name is John Zimmerman. I'm the founder of the Active Towns Initiative, and I'm honored to serve as your host each week on this podcast journey. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's always wonderful to have you along for the ride. Today is Friday, August 20th, 2021, and I'm super excited to share this delightful conversation I had earlier this week with Abby Kinney of Kansas City, Missouri. Abby is a senior associate urban designer with Gould Evans, an aspiring incremental developer and the host of the weekly Strong Towns podcast, Upzoned, which happens to be one of my personal favorites to listen to each week. So it was really fun to chat with Abby. But before we roll into those discussions, please allow me a moment to mention that this episode is being brought to you by the generous contributions of our donors, sponsors, and monthly patrons on our Patreon page. And if you too would be willing to support my efforts to promote a culture of activity, these are the top three things that you can do right now to help me out. Do just one, or perhaps two, or if you're one of those overachiever types, you know, what the heck, do all three. The first is by far the easiest. Please subscribe to, follow, rate, and review the Active Towns podcast on your preferred listening platform, as this helps connect others to this content. The second is by spreading the word about Active Towns and this podcast within your personal and professional networks. And the third is by making a donation or becoming a Patreon supporter. And to do so, just head over to my website at activetowns.org and simply navigate to the donation page. Oh, and one last thing. Don't forget to check out and subscribe to the Active Towns YouTube channel. Earlier this week, I posted a fun video montage from my most recent trip to the Netherlands. And it features an intersection where car drivers must activate a sensor so that they can receive a green light to proceed. Seriously, you gotta check it out. I'll put the link in the show notes and out on the landing page for this episode for you. Thank you all so very much for tuning in and for whatever support you're able to provide as I strive to grow this movement to create a culture of activity for all ages and abilities, which you are now part of. Okay, time to get this chat with Abby Kinney rolling. Abby, it's so wonderful to connect with you here today. Welcome to the Active Towns podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Well, hey, I, I feel like I, I I know you, but I don't really know you. I, I have <laughs> your voice in my head at least uh, once a week when I when I listen to your uh, podcast, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more deeply about that. Uh, but before we do that, why don't you do this? Uh, just give us a a little background about yourself and. Uh, how you uh, came to to be doing the, the the work that you're doing. Sure. That's funny that you say that. I feel the same way with podcasts that I listen to. I feel like I kind of know the person and you are not the first person who has said that to me. <laughs> so yeah, it's a it's a common uh, thing that, that I've experienced myself with shows that I listen to. Yeah, I am an urban planning consultant. Uh, I live in Kansas City, Missouri. There's a Kansas City, Kansas, and a Kansas City, Missouri. So uh, make the distinction. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. I, that's where I grew up. Um, and I uh, work at a firm called Gould Evans, where we kind of do full service planning. Um, we work with a pretty broad variety of uh, clients across, I would say, like the city building world. And uh, do everything from like comprehensive planning to zoning and even on-call planning. So we, uh, we work pretty broadly within the profession. And um, I've been doing that for almost five years now. And I, I really, really love it. I went to university here in Kansas City, Missouri as well at a design-based academic uh, studio. So I've kind of always worked within the design world. Uh, and that's kind of where I come to planning from that perspective. Now, uh, I, I would say the, the Strong Towns perspective kind of adds an element of, of economics and broadening my perception of, of markets and how cities work. So 
But that's what I like so much about the urban planning profession and the study of urban planning is that it brings so many different elements together from from economics to design to uh, facilitation of people and competing interests. So, so yeah, that's a little bit about me. Fantastic. Now, uh, that move from from St. Louis to, to Kansas City, it sounds like Kansas City, you, you made that move because of school. Is that correct? Yeah, well, um, you know, Kansas City has been on my radar for quite a while because my mom is actually from Kansas City. She grew up in South Kansas City in an area called Waldo, um, which is not too far from the downtown area, probably about 15 minutes and she moved to St. Louis uh, when she and my dad got married. So I grew up in St. Louis, but had always been visiting Kansas City. And, you know, we spent a lot of time in the downtown area as I was growing up. It was very different back then than it is now. It's really come a long way in the past, uh, you know, 20 plus years but I have a lot of good childhood memories of Kansas City. And when I uh, saw that Kansas City had a, an architecture and planning program available, uh, I decided to go to school here. I actually started in architecture. So I, I started in architecture, didn't really know a lot about urban planning, but was interested in it. Um, I hear that from a lot of planners, actually. They start in architecture and then they learn that there's this weird field called urban planning that nobody seems to know about. And uh, they make the transition that way. So I'm one of those people. Got it. That's great. Compare and contrast the two cities. So St. Louis uh, is is on the eastern side of the state and Kansas City is on the western side of the state. Is it like two different <laughs> worlds? I mean, or is it still, you know, are they relatively similar in many ways? I tend to think of them as being very different. I think uh, there's a lot of similarities. You know, they, they're Midwestern, mid-sized cities. I've seen a meme that says that there are two cities that look like they're desperately trying to get out of Missouri. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Kansas City is quite a bit more modern and, and more new and young compared to St. Louis. St. Louis, I, I believe, has like 100 years on Kansas City. And, and so you see that expressed in, in the architecture, the development pattern, some of the growth patterns there. Um, and that's not really something that I realized until I became familiar with, with urban planning and looking for things like that. I, I would say that the culture of St. Louis is a little bit different than Kansas City. When I first moved here, I definitely had a sense that people in Kansas City seem more uh, they, they seem a bit more laid back, very, very friendly. And not that people in St. Louis aren't friendly. It's just a little bit, a, a little bit more in your face friendliness that I notice in Kansas City, which I think is a great thing because I have not met somebody here that isn't willing to introduce you to five people they know. And people are very open and willing to invite people into their circles. So I think in a professional sense, that's a great thing because people, it's like a big family in Kansas City because it's big enough to be, you know, on the map from a city perspective, but it's small enough that that everybody seems to know one another. And I'm not sure if St. Louis is that way. That may be the case. Right. Um, my, my dad does a lot of traveling around the country and he always says that St. Louis is where you wear a tie to a meeting and Kansas City is where... Uh, you don't have to wear a tie anymore and you can be a little bit more laid back. And then California is where people show up in sandals. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm a fourth generation Los Angelino, so uh, guilty as charged. <laughs> there you go. So, so you can confirm or deny that. That's right. Uh, so with your firm at Gould Evans, are you doing work locally mostly or are you like, you know, working on projects, you know, nationally? So we do a, a lot of work within the region, but we also uh, do do quite a bit of work nationally. The two big projects nationally that we've um, recently finished, we did some transit oriented development planning for the city of Phoenix, Arizona. Um, city of Phoenix had 
plans to extend their light rail on the South Central Corridor. And so we did some development and community planning with the people who are involved, stakeholders, people who are living along that corridor. We also just wrapped up um, the adoption of some strategic zoning code updates for the city of Indianapolis. Similarly, for for transit-oriented development, although this was more of a regulatory process, And so we do a lot of work with mid-sized cities around the country. We do a lot of work on the front range, especially uh, zoning code update work. I think that has something to do with the development, the, the amount of development that they're getting in that part of the world. And then we do a lot of work with a broad variety of different municipalities in Missouri, Arkansas, Kansas, um, throughout this region, we are the on-call planner for for a handful of really small towns as well. So, um, yeah, we're kind of a <laughs> we we're a, we're a full service planning studio, and we work with a lot of different clients in a lot of different contexts. So, anything from like large on the map, mid sized cities to very, very tiny towns that that we may be doing development review for. Right, right. So talk a little bit about the background or origin story of the podcast, Upzoned. So the podcast was originally created through Strong Towns with the original host, Kia Wilson. And I actually used to be a big fan of the show. I would listen to it when Kia was at Strong Towns and uh, really enjoyed it. So when she left Strong Towns, um, the podcast was offline for a while. And actually a friend of mine who is in Kansas City, who had recently moved back to Kansas City from Savannah, who I guess a mutual friend of both mine and Chuck's when I didn't know Chuck, had recommended that I take over the podcast. And I thought that was kind of a crazy idea, but he said, you should reach out to Chuck and you should ask him and see if he'll do it. And and so I thought about it for a couple of weeks and then I was like, what the heck? I'll uh, I'll reach out to him and see what his plans are for the Upzone podcast because I was a fan of it. And so I had reached out to him and uh, we had met once in the past and I wasn't sure if he really remembered me. But yeah, we got on a phone call and talked for a little bit about it and he was was happy to bring me on. I had no podcasting experience, so total <laughs> amateur, but I, I really enjoyed it. You know, I think of it as just having a weekly chat with my friend Chuck and we talk about a news article and it's been pretty, pretty uh, laid back as a, as a process. And it's been, it's been nice to just look at different news stories every week and sift through them. And I get recommendations from people sometimes. So I'm always happy to get recommendations. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been very enjoyable. So hopefully it's been okay as an amateur. It's been fantastic. It's been a lot of fun. So you're, you're referencing somebody who moved to Kansas City from Savannah. You must be talking about uh, Kevin. I'm talking about Kevin. Do you know yes. Kevin? I sure do. Yeah. Well, awesome. it's it, it's all part of our 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 CNU urbanism uh-huh. circle, <laughs> and so uh, I, I of course was able to spend some time with Kevin and Jamie in Savannah uh, just before they made the move because the, he was on the uh, host committee for the Congress for the New Urbanism and the the Congress that took place there in Savannah, Georgia. So that was wonderful to be there, and that's super yes. cool. And well, I've enjoyed we're, we're because lucky. Kevin. Yeah, no, you're lucky you have him there for sure. Yes. And uh, he's doing some wonderful work. And and uh, and I know every once in a while he, he shows up on UpZoned. Yes, he does. Yep. He, he's become kind of a, a semi-regular uh, guest that we bring on once in a while. He is currently working for an organization called Midtown KC Now. So working with lots of community members and business members in the Kansas City Midtown area, which is about to have a streetcar expansion go through. So the timing uh, worked out really well for Midtown to have Kevin Klinkenberg there. So yeah, shout out to Kevin. 
Absolutely. Good stuff. That's great. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the format, because one of the things that I love about this particular podcast is the way that it's designed. So let's talk a little bit about how you, you put the, the, the podcast together. You, you mentioned, you know, it's like a conversation, there's an article involved. So go, let's go ahead and walk through the structure of the podcast, because I think that's what makes it super special. Yeah, so so the podcast structure uh, we replicated from its original making. These episodes are a little bit longer than they were before, and I think that's just because we get chatty, and if if we start talking about aliens or something like that, we'll end up uh, getting stuck on that topic for a little while. <laughs> so uh, yeah, typically the po- podcast is about forty minutes per episode. We start off by, I introduce a topic, an article that is in the news this week and, you know, touches the Strong Towns conversation. And I'll give kind of a brief synopsis of what the article is talking about, try to provide a little bit of context. And then I pass it over to Chuck to start talking about it. And so we kind of just riff on the article for for about a probably 20 minutes or so. And then we go into the down zone and the down zone is the part of the show where we just share anything that we've been, you know, interested in anything we've been reading, watching and go from there. So that's really been the structure of the podcast. It's, you know, more serious at the beginning and then becomes less serious and sometimes devolves into alien conversations uh, towards the end. So (laughs) That's great. That's great. Yeah, no, it's it's been wonderful because it's it's usually a a topic, you know, like you said, it's an article that has come up and, you know, maybe one of the two of you have 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 brought it forward or like you said, somebody may send you a, a recommendation of an article, but it's almost always relatively recent and quite topical and and germane to you know sort of the the strong towns movement and urbanism and active mobility and and all the different uh, areas now i get the sense that you know this has been uh, not only are you like learning the podcasting <laughs> side of things but you're also getting exposed to a lot of topics that you may not have otherwise been exposed to in your day-to-day work is that correct yes and that is actually what i love about doing this is that i get exposed to topics that may not have been on my radar or it may be a topic that i'm just not really thinking about so much because it might be something that i'm not addressing in my work currently um, sometimes it is topics that overlaps with the work that i'm doing and so it gives me a, a little bit more perspective and kind of helps me build on my understanding of something so that's that's what i've liked about doing this podcast you know i'm i've always been kind of a generalist And this is a very generalist podcast. We touch on a lot of different topics that are coming up in the world of city building, urbanism, uh, strong towns, and we don't always have the answers, but we kind of bounce back different ideas back and forth. Chuck always has some really interesting takes. Um, I, I just love the way that he thinks about things. And so it's always fun to get his responses to these different articles and, and what he what's happening in his head as he's reading them. And sometimes it's different than what I thought about. We also bring on people from his team, people who are uh, working for Strong Towns will sometimes come on the show and they have their own perspective and, and, and takes on this. So, you know, it's a very broad and generalist kind of show. And, and I hope that it's very much intended for people from all walks of life, that it's not just for people who are working in planning or uh, working for cities, that it, this could be a show that anybody could listen to, even if they're just a concerned citizen and, and they don't have really any background in the world of, of development or planning. Yeah. One of the things that I, I find personally, you know, quite satisfying and, and enjoy a great deal about this is uh, it, it feels like I, again, it, it, there's that, especially in the down zone portion of it, you get to know 
the hosts and you know and, and and your guest whether it's chuck or one of the other members of the uh, of the strong towns uh organization or on the occasion where you have somebody outside of the organization like kevin involved that down zone is kind of a neat thing because it, it gives the listeners an opportunity to have a little bit of a glimpse into the the person who is hosting the podcast and that's and there's something special there. There's a, a neat little connection there that is is quite intimate and fun and 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 done so in in and I think you know from your perspective probably done so in a non-threatening manner because it's like you're just having a conversation with your friends. Yeah, yeah, and it you know it's even given me the opportunity to get to know people who I'm doing the podcast with. Of course. I've gotten to know Chuck very well over the past uh, year and a half that I've been doing this and also members of his team. And, you know, it's just fun to hear about what people have been up to. I I think that that is, um, I, I don't know exactly whose idea it was to do the down zone, but I think it's very smart because it also makes me reflect on my own life. What have I been doing recently? Sometimes time goes by so quickly and and it's nice to kind of stop each week and say what have I been up to what have I been doing yeah yeah so one of the things that uh, has come up as part of the down zone portion of of this is that uh, I found out that you're getting out there riding your bike a little bit more and and that's been kind of cool to see now I've I've interviewed uh, some folks from uh, from the the local advocacy organization there in Kansas City both uh, Mike Michael and Laura uh, joined me on uh, a podcast either early early this year or maybe it was late last year I can't remember now it's they're flying by so fast <laughs> but let's talk a little bit about that I mean you so you're getting out on the bike a little bit and exploring what's that been like getting you know discovering the bike and and riding a little bit more in Kansas City? Well, so I, I've always been, you know, a casual bike rider. I would say that I first started really getting into riding my bike uh, through mountain biking, of all things. I started mountain biking probably in 2016, 2015. 15. And so I've always been kind of someone who brings my bike out on the trails through that and having a mountain bike. I slowly started biking around the city and really enjoying that. I took a little bit of time when I first started at Gould Evans to start biking to work. I then had a knee injury (laughs) and everybody thinks it's from mountain biking, but it actually wasn't. I was just riding my bike in a neighborhood went to stand up on the pedals, missed the pedal, and completely tore my ACL. So I had a little while where I took a break from biking, um, just getting over that injury. Turns out when you have knee surgery, it takes a really long time for, well, actually your knee actually never feels normal again, but it takes a very long time to really start to feel normal again and, and get to the point where you're comfortable biking around. But but yeah, once I started getting my knee back in shape, I wasn't quite ready to go back out on the trails for a little while. And so I started riding my bike around the city more and really discovering how much I enjoy biking around the city and what a different experience you get in your city when when you're biking you know you're moving a little bit slower than when you're in a car you're i think more attentive because you're on a bike and so you know you're always worried about getting hit by a car or something so you know you you pay attention a little more i think and and so yeah, that's that's really what got me into to biking the city. Now I bike the city and I bike uh, uh, on the trails again. And um, you know, I can't tell which I which I like more. Although I do use a mountain bike still when I bike around the city. I haven't fully shifted over to using a road bike. Yeah, not not that you even necessarily have to if you're if you're pretty much uh, doing more urban bike riding around, uh, you know, around the city and, and exploring and doing utilitarian trips, you may not ever have to go to a skinny tire road bike, you, you might choose to do something more along like an upright Dutch style, you know, bike or, or some sort of a hybrid. So yeah, yeah well, and the big tires actually um, are kind of nice when you have potholes everywhere. Yeah, 
Yeah, like my urban bike, uh, it's what I call a quasi-Dutch bike. It has really big uh, cushiony tires on mm. it. So, I mean, it's just as big a tires as, as like a, um, a standard mountain bike. Um, so it's, it's a very, very comfortable ride, but it's an upright, you know, sort of feel. You know, it's it's nowhere near as efficient as my, you know, my road racing bike, <laughs> which, yes. you know, is that's a whole different type of riding. But, you know, for for going to the grocery store, you know, my urban bike, you know, is my town bike is, you know, it's super, super comfortable. Yeah. And so it's you know, upright. Now, if I remember correctly, there was a, a new sort of either protected bikeway or set cycle track or something like that that opened up in the Kansas City area and, and you had discovered it and you were riding on it. Talk a little bit about that because you, you mentioned a word in there, comfort and comfortable. And you also talked a little bit about, you know, the challenge of the cars that are out there. How important is that for you as, you know, somebody who's getting around in the city to have that sort of infrastructure in place? To me, it's very important. I've always been somebody who takes kind of the back way on my bike because the main roads in Kansas City can be very, very intimidating. People do get hurt in Kansas City. I have a friend who passed away after getting hit by a car. And, you know, he was an avid biker and he was someone who was very, very comfortable riding his bike on main roads. And, you know, it's if it can happen to him, I feel like it can happen to anybody. And so I I try to be very aware on my bike. And it's always better when there's some kind of facility that is on the street, that is a protected bike lane that enables you to get from point A to point B more easily you know, there always are the neighborhood streets, but sometimes when you are trying to get across town or especially for people who actually are commuting on their bikes, it's incredibly important to have those facilities. Kansas City just recently opened up this cycle track um, on a street called Gillum, and it goes, I think, several miles. I, I don't know the full measurement, although I'm sure that the people that you interviewed at Bike Walk know the exact uh, measurement of how long it is. But yeah, it's a, it's a two-way cycle track. Uh, it takes up probably like 12 feet of one side of the street. And that has been incredibly impactful to see what a, you know, it, it's really a simple facility, right? It's, it's bollards, it's paint, it's, um, you know, just some protective barrier elements. And it has not only enabled more people to get out on their bikes on this route. You see so many people now biking. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, you used to hear council people, and I'm sure they still say this, but, you know, nobody bikes in Kansas City. Well, when you have a great facility, all of a sudden there's a bunch of people on bikes. So it sounds like there's a demand for it. So not only is it a great facility for people on their bikes, but it also completely changed the character of the street. And in the areas where you see, you know, commercial businesses along it, or you see houses along this cycle track, it's just actually very nice on what used to be kind of a very intense road. It used to be a streetscape that just really was degraded by its design and how the different lanes were laid out on it. And so this is a huge improvement, I think, even from an, an urban design perspective. Yeah, yeah. What's one of your favorite rides that you like to do? Like a, one of your favorite urban rides? Hmm. So Kansas City has a scenic byway in its historic northeast area called Cliff Drive. It used to be open to cars and... I don't know exactly why, but it's uh, closed down to cars, so they have barriers. And it has kind of become this really nice, maybe unofficial bike ped route. It's a street that is tucked in to the side of a cliff. And so when you're back there, it feels like 
you're nowhere close to any urbanized area. It, you know, you're back in the woods. There's beautiful limestone walls. There's fountains along it. There's there's one wall where all the, all the rock climbers go. So you often see a lot of rock climbers out there. And it's just become this really cool recreational spine that goes east-west through Kansas City along the northeast neighborhoods. You know, I, I really can't think of another street like it. And it's it's been really enjoyable where I live. It's pretty close uh, close to that. And so I'll, I'll take that on like really hot days. You can go back there and you're inside of a woods, but you're also close to home. So it's very accessible and it's nice that you can go east to west really easily that way. Nice, nice. And wonderful that you can, you know, get there easily from from where you live. Are you able to just ride to there? Yes, there is a trail connection that gets you to the entrance of that street. The trail to get to the entrance of the street is not for the faint of heart. It's very steep, but you know, I always think that if I can get to that point, the rest of the ride is really really, really enjoyable and easy, <laughs> but getting up that hill is not for the faint of heart. Well, there's the advantage of having, uh, you know, the range of gearing that you have on, on the mountain bike. Yeah, no kidding. And, you know, I think people who haven't been to Kansas City often think because Kansas is in the word that Kansas City must be flat. Kansas City has some very, very challenging topography. So um, I think anybody who has biked in Kansas City has been surprised at the variety of elevation that is in this city. It's, it's really a city that is built on bluffs. So you're constantly going up and down hills as you're riding really any route in the city. Interesting. Okay. Well, in the episode that I just recorded uh, and, and released last week, we were talking about the electric assist bikes. Have you had a chance to, to test an electric assist bike? I've been thinking of, of doing that. I have a friend who mountain bikes with an electric assist bike, so I've used that before. And they're a lot of fun, especially when you're mountain biking. Um, could be a little bit dangerous, but they are a lot of fun. But yeah, Kansas City has tons of electric assist bikes that are available. I know a lot of people who use them for commuting now. So it, I, I think that those bikes really do provide a genuine option for people to move around for commuting, um, especially people who, you know, maybe they don't want to ride a bike and be super sweaty when they get to work or uh, for people who may not uh, be comfortable going up and down hills. Those electric assist bikes, I think, just expand the number of people who have the opportunity to use a bike as a legitimate alternative. Yeah. Yeah. And as soon as you said, you know, it's deceptively hilly, you know, for, <laughs> uh, for, you know, the, the, you know, the description of Kansas, well, it's not, it's not pan pancake flat. There are some, uh, challenging topography things there. So as soon as you said that, I was like, Ooh, you know, I know it gets hot and muggy there in the summer yes, and, it does. you know, so that, that just really opens up. I think the, the, as you mentioned, you know, the possibility of more people getting more people riding more often and more utilitarian trips. So if you're able to make that infrastructure, like that protected cycle track that you, uh, you, you talked about opening more safe, comfortable, um, opportunities for people to, uh, to get to meaningful destinations. And then that, that, you know, combination of that little, uh, electric assist can really uh, hopefully, you know, change the game for a lot of people. Yeah. And I think that, you know, this whole conversation around multimodal transportation, multimodal infrastructure and facilities, it really is about just expanding options for people. And so having these electric bikes is just one additional way of expanding options for people that I think is really helpful and healthy and important for providing for a city that can, you know, help people move around in the way that they want to move around. Yeah, yeah. So one of the the recurring themes uh, that always comes up in 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 the podcast is you know is Chuck encouraging you to uh, to make the move to Brainerd, uh, uh, Minnesota, <laughs> <laughs> and, and 
now that you're you're set up in Kansas City and and does this does this like feel like home? Are you guys there for the long haul? Great question. That's funny that you bring that up because I always joke to Chuck that he must be like a real estate agent on the side because he's always trying to <laughs> yes. get people to move to Brainerd. I'm like, you must have some some ulterior, ulterior motive here. <laughs> I love Kansas City. Like it is a place that is has become home to me over the past 10 years. I can't believe it's been 10 years since I moved here, but yeah, it's been about 10 years now. Um, you know, I, who knows what the future holds, but it does feel like home to me. I love that it is a place that is in a lot of ways compared to, compared to a lot of other places, it's very affordable. So you have the ability to travel to other towns, to go, go see other cities. It's a place that at least from my perspective, people seem to be very open to new ideas it's a place that's constantly working to improve. And I think that there's a lot of opportunity here. You know, of course, you know, as someone in the planning world, you always hear about kind of the superstar cities, places like New York or Portland, Seattle. And, you know, there's there's always an appeal to be in a place like that. But I think that there is a lot of opportunity to be in a be in kind of a mid-sized city that's under the radar and play a role in and how it improves into the future. So yeah, for now, here I am in Kansas City. No plans to move to Brainerd. Sorry, Chuck. <laughs> Sorry, Chuck. <laughs> well, you mentioned affordable and you know opportunities. What are some of the things that you think the city and the community needs to be, you know, a little bit, have a little bit more sense of urgency about? Well, so one of the things that we've been doing within our planning studio is helping to raise awareness about why Kansas City can't afford itself. You know, we have roughly the same population within the city limits that we did back in 1950 but we have four times as much city that we are all responsible for taking care of. Kansas City has really rapidly suburbanized and spread out over the past several generations. And so we're trying to help raise awareness about the importance of utilizing existing infrastructure, making infill easier to do, reutilizing buildings that currently exist that are maybe kind of just being held and, and squandered. So there's a lot of that that goes on. And so we're trying to really raise awareness about the importance of reutilizing existing infrastructure and making just more efficient use of land where we have streets built. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned infill there, and it, it does seem like, you know, Kansas City is is ripe for opportunity to get more concerted about doing more infill development. Is that something you see yourself, you know, maybe doing is is some, you know, development, actual like incremental development and, and that whole concept? Yeah, I so incremental development is uh, a passion of mine. We actually brought the Incremental Development Alliance to Kansas City back in 2018 um, as part of a speaker series that we helped to put together called Making a Great City. Um, we brought Chuck in, we brought Joe from Urban 3, and we brought the Incremental Development Alliance. And we had InkDev do a workshop. And what um, became just what, what made me aware about uh, Kansas City's existing ecosystem is that when we held that workshop, there were so many people that attended. It sold out. There were people who were walking in the door um, to get in that day. And it made me realize that there are people who are concerned citizens. There are people who are existing developers, people who are development cheerleaders, who all are interested in this idea of incremental development, small-scale development projects, reutilizing existing buildings and historic preservation. And it was something that people were able to really get behind. So ever since we've been doing that, we have been doing meetups every month. And I host these meetups uh, at, at a place called PH Coffee, which is an incremental development project that some friends of mine did. 
and we bring people in who are doing this work already because we currently have an ecosystem, but the ecosystem just isn't always working together or challenges that exist are not being expressed in a way that is you know, unified. And so it's important for people to understand that there's a lot of value in these small one-off projects, whether it is renovating um, a house that has been sitting vacant or uh, reutilizing an old corner store or building a new building on an existing vacant lot. Those are all things that don't really get, they're not going to get the the headline news. They're not going to have the big press conference always. But it's tremendously valuable to the city. And so we've been really advocating for the city to recognize the value that entrepreneurs are currently doing in the city. We have been recognizing that the work that people who are either mid-sized developers or experienced small-scale developers, that that work is very nuanced and it requires relationships that are like hyper localized, oftentimes relationships with neighborhoods and neighborhood advocates. It requires a nuanced understanding of development codes and how that works. And so we've been really interested in not only having these meetups to celebrate projects that they've done or, you know, share horror stories, <laughs> things that didn't go so well. We, we encourage people to understand the risk that's involved in development. But we also want people who are just aspiring developers to begin to understand this nuance because as they potentially go into doing a development project, it's important that they realize that there are mentors that are out there and there are people who are like Kansas City, you know, Kansas City Nice, people are so willing to help each other out and be a mentor and offer advice. So yeah, it's, it's been a passion of mine. That's my plan. One day I will do it. Fantastic. Well, you mentioned briefly there, Joe, uh, Joe Minicozzi with uh, Urban 3, and of course, a passionate mountain biker in, in his own yes. right. Yes. One <laughs> so, day I'll mountain bike with him. Yes, yeah, definitely. So one of the things that I just love about that passion that you have for incremental development and the infill is that it is about getting more meaningful destinations and more housing closer to each other. And, and that's, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, the biggest challenge that we have with most of our modern Western cities, especially, you know, you know, towards the West coast is of course they were built on a suburbanized model in the case of Kansas city, it's an older city, but then also, you know, it's sort of hollowed out in the, you know, in the urban core and then spread out. And to your point, you know, basically the same population, but you know, twice or more the landmass. And so that opportunity to backfill, you know, infill and get more people next to meaningful destinations and get more meaningful destinations in there. Then all we have to do is fix the streets. Yeah. Slow the, <laughs> slow the cars down, make it more walkable, bikeable so that people can get to those meaningful destinations uh, by walking, biking and transit. Yeah. Sounds like an easy fix, right? <laughs> yeah, piece of cake. You know, piece it's just, of cake. It's, it, it's uh, you know we've uh, we've got the the strong towns uh, playbook that's there. So yeah, it should, right. should be it should be uh, easy to do. So <laughs> let's do this. Let's let's do our own little version uh, of a down zone. <laughs> okay. So, so Abby, what have you been up to? Oh, I did not think about it. Not, now I'll have to think about it. Well, I know you had a vacation, so let's do that. Oh, yes, I can share that. So I actually went to go hiking in Boulder, Colorado. Actually, I went to El Dorado Canyon. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the area. Very familiar with it. Yes. Yes. So um, my my husband is actually a, a rock climber in addition to mountain biking. Um, so he has done some rock climbing over there in El Dorado Canyon and uh, wanted to show me. So we went out there and we did some hiking. I did not get up and climb it. I'm a little too afraid to do that. But yeah, we, we went up there and we did some climbing or did some hiking, excuse me, and then spent a little bit of time in Boulder, walked the, the Pearl Street Mall, really nice. There was some smoke that rolled into that area when I was in town, which was 
not not so fun. Luckily, we were able to get out on a pretty nice day before the smoke rolled into the Denver metro area. But yeah, we we really enjoyed Boulder. Boulder's always a fun place to go. Yeah, fantastic. Well, yeah, so El Dorado, um, one of the premier, uh, gosh, climbing places, you know, in, in North America. Yeah. It uh, is, is actually one of the things that set Boulder on the map in terms of being a quintessential active towns. Uh, Boulder is actually our home. So we are oh, really? incorporated in Boulder. Most of my board of directors are in the Boulder area. And uh Back in the 1940s and 1950s, uh, people were coming from all over the country to live in Boulder to be able to climb in El Dorado Canyon and on the flat irons there right in, uh, in the city of Boulder. Wow. So, yeah, it's yeah. very much a part of their DNA and their identity. And, and of course, as you mentioned, it's, it, it's also a, uh, uh, it is the quintessential active towns in terms of, of, of having a culture of activity that just permeates through all aspects of life there. So yes. you got to see Pearl Street Mall. What'd you think? So not, that wasn't my first time in Boulder, but I did have a great time. I think the Pearl Street Mall is, of course, just a really special place. It's, it's a, a very successful pedestrian mall. I think it's the it's probably one of the most successful in the country, I would think. And so always fun to go see the Pearl Street Mall and walk around and people watch. And I got myself a T-shirt there. So, yeah, it's it. And we also walked around some of the neighborhoods and just kind of looked at the houses. My My husband's cousin lives in Boulder. He's lived there for probably seven years now. Uh, so we got to see him and, and just kind of enjoy the beautiful city of Boulder. I wish there were, uh, like, like 10 more boulders in our country or even more. It is kind of the quintessential, uh, walkable town and it's just such a special place to go to. I, every time I'm there, I'm like, I wish I could live here. <laughs> Yes. You're, well, you're absolutely right. We do need more, uh, uh, you know, boulders. And, and that's really part of, of what my mission is with Active Towns is to try to make it easier and try to create more places like Boulder, because you're absolutely right. It's a it's a truly, truly special place. When I was there in June, the west side of Pearl Street had been blocked off and dining was was out on the street. Uh, did you notice if, if that was still in place on the west side? You know, I didn't notice that. Yeah. Okay. Because that was something that they had done um, in in response to COVID and trying to create more outdoor dining space and and things of that nature. So. That oh was... yeah, that's very nice. I, you know, if 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 there were people dining out there, I may not have noticed and just assumed it had always been that way. Yeah. But, well, there you go. You know, I've. Um, are you familiar with Bentonville, Arkansas? I am. Yes. I would say for our region, that's probably the closest thing to Boulder. And that's a place that we haven't visited in a while, but we that's one of our favorite places to go mountain biking. And they have, of course, a very nice downtown area and have invested a lot in multimodal facilities throughout their city. So that's kind of the that's the the closer version than Boulder when we want to go to a really, really nice town that has invested in uh, walk and bike infrastructure. Yeah. How long of a drive is that for you to get to Bentonville? Oh, probably four and a half hours, I believe. Okay. Not too bad. Yeah. yeah, it's not too bad. It's yeah. it's about the same distance as St. Louis is. Right. Maybe a little right. bit further. Okay. Now, I saw that you had some really exciting new news uh, that you were identified as a co-chair of the Young Leaders Group in Kansas City for ULI. What's that all about? Yeah, yeah. So that is a volunteer position that I'll be taking on. They do a mentorship program where they basically um, organize people who have signed up to um, to learn more about the development industry and we'll basically organize different lunch and learns. We'll organize project tours and all different aspects of development. So it's really all about like teaching people the introductions of how development works, 
um, how projects are put together and to uh, enable people who are in Kansas City who are new to this world to become more aware of the people who are involved in it and the processes um, that they go through to build a building or reuse an existing building. So we'll be organizing, I'll be organizing that with, with another co-chair and um, I'm really excited about it. Fantastic. That's great. Is there anything that we haven't talked about yet that you want to make sure we cover? Well, I would like to hear your down zone. Ah, my down zone. What have I been up to? Well, <laughs> I am, uh, other than, you know, trying to produce these podcasts and get uh, more video uh, out, uh, that's that's really been my my focus is, is trying to get back into producing more, more video content. And so that's been fun to dive back into the video archives. Uh, before I launched the podcast, I was traveling around the country, around the world, filming a documentary documentary. And so it's nice to go back to some of the old stuff that I shot. And plus I'm pulling out the camera now and, and shooting some, some fresh footage. So it's, it's good to flex, reflex those, uh, uh, video editing muscles and, and get that out onto YouTube. So that's been super fun. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. So uh, for some of our listeners that are listening that are, you know, maybe inspired by, you know, some of the discussions that we've had here today, what advice would you have if they'd like to make a difference in their hometown, in their neighborhood, on their street? Um, you know, I, I think my advice would probably be to talk to people and to, you know, ask people who are involved in uh, city governance, ask people who are involved in, you know, maybe your local bike walk or organization that that advocates for uh, a variety of different causes that are involved in city building. You can even reach out to people who are involved in the development world, whatever you're interested in. I think it's always really important just to reach out to people and to you know, talk with people and learn about their perspectives because that, that I think that really helps you learn not only how cities work, but just how different people think about their city and can broaden your own perspective. I love it. So on point too with the the strong towns message. It's the yeah, bottom up revolution. It's the you know? bottom up revolution. <laughs> you know, talk with your neighbors and and connect with people and see who's out there already that you can you know that you can tune into and get plugged into. Yeah, in absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Hey, what's the best way that uh, folks can follow along with your work? Um, well, so we are at GoldEvansPlanning.com is uh, our website where all of our planning work is. I'm on Twitter at AbbyCatKC, A-B-B-Y-K-A-T-K-C. And yeah, that, that's probably the best places that you can find and follow me. Yeah. And, and of course, tune in to the UpZoned podcast. Oh, yes. And tune in to the UpZoned podcast with Strong Towns. Fantastic. Well, Abby, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you here today. Thank you so much for joining me on the Active Towns podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you all so very much for tuning in to episode number 88 of the Active Towns podcast. I sincerely hope you enjoyed this conversation with Abby Kinney. She's truly a bright young light with a passion to make the world a better place, and Kansas City is darn lucky to have her there. For more information on the topics we discussed, access some interesting history for context, and to see a handful of photos and videos, check out the landing page for this episode, which you can find at activetowns.org. And one last reminder before we part ways. Again, if you're enjoying the podcast and appreciate my efforts to profile the inspiring advances happening around the globe to promote a culture of activity, please help me out by making a donation, spreading the word, and subscribing. Thank you all so very much for your support and for tuning in. That's all for this week's episode. So until next time, this is John signing off by wishing you much activity, health, and happiness. Cheers. <laughs>